Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. Oh, it's finally spring. I had the top down on the car. It was... The, the temp thermometer was saying it was 80, mid-80s. It's like, oh, it's why we live in the mountains of Arizona. You poor folks in Laughlin, Phoenix, Tucson, it's already 100 degrees. You should come up to God's country. The mountains of Arizona are just beautiful. Am I right, Flagstaff, Prescott Valley, Sedona, Camp Verde? Oh, it's just beautiful up here. And so Prescott has turned around. There's one tree that's in bloom right now. It sort of announces uh, Mother's Day. It just, you can count on it. From Page, Arizona, all the way down to Camp Verde, Skull Valley, the lowest elevations, it seems to bloom. Prescott, Arizona, they are all over right now in full, glorious bloom. It's a tree about 30 feet tall, has big purple flowers, that hang down about 8, 10 inches long, and they look like they're wisteria flowers covering hundreds of flowers covering these trees. That is a purple robe locust. It's a tremendous grower from in the mountains of Arizona. It's related to our native. There's another type of, of black locust that grows up in the higher elevations. It's more of a shrub, uh, but it doesn't have the same flower. This, this one's bigger, uh, it's just big shade trees. Beautiful. Takes the wind. Anytime you hear the word locust, you know you've got a good plant as far as hardiness, drought hardiness. Wind takes the dry, crusty, arid wind. It's a good grower. I would say it's a fast grower. You can put a 15-gallon tree in you know, for 100 bucks and, and watch it grow up. And in three years, it's a big shade tree, just like that. Uh, but now is the time that you'll find them at garden centers. We've loaded up here, here at Waters Garden Center. We loaded up with them because we know when they go into bloom, people go, oh, what is that? And cell phones are coming out with a picture going, I want one of those. What is that? I want one of those. And so you've got a great selection right now. Probably by the time the, the show is so good this year, by the time we're all done, I'm sure we'll be out of them. We'll Literally, the, the crops will run out and a tree takes... Anywhere from 7, 10, 15 years from my big ones. They've been at the farm back in the 2000s. We're talking, they, we were just starting them from cuttings and grafting them onto roots and making them grow. So we've been shaping them for, for a decade or more. And so that's one you want to grab them while you can. It's a great time to plant them. But a great shade tree. I love them on a patio on the west side. Just kind of takes that sun and... It kind of it makes a noise when the wind goes through. It kind of ruffles and keeps that sun off of you. And yet in the winter, it loses its foliage. It has this bright kind of sort of like an aspen gold color to it. And then it'll drop and it drops all at once. It doesn't drop like over the next three months. I'm going to litter your yard. I mean, it just goes, okay, fall color and we're done. It drops. And then the leaves are so small, they kind of blow away <laughs> on their own. It's really great. Whereas maples, sycamores, they're great trees, but the leaves are huge. They don't go anywhere. They drop and they stay right there. You have to rake them up. Locusts, not that way. 
A related plant to that that looks equally as good, but it's not in bloom right now, is golden locust. You're seeing this bright, bright gold tree. It has more of an umbrella shape to it. So purple robe locust has more of a round, kind of evenly shaped crown or head on it. A, a golden locust has more of a, an umbrella shape to it. It's wider. It gets as tall, maybe not quite as tall, but, but wider than, than a purple robe does. But the bright new foliage is it's bright gold. And so it's called a golden locust. And it'll be that way, the new growth. Once it matures, it'll mature to a nice green tree in the summer. And it stays green at that point. And then its fall color goes back, reverts back to where it started, a bright gold. Again, very drought hardy. Um, uh, just wind is not going to bother it, even for you folks up on those ridge lines with those great views you've got. It, they just don't, they take that. It's okay. Uh, they'll take heavy clay. They'll take rocky soil. They seem to find a way to get through all this stuff. It's just a great plant. Locust trees, the one caveat I can give you on locusts, there's a lot of different locust trees. And so if you're, if you're buying one that was started by seed, uh, not, it's not a select variety. You can get some funky genetics. So we, we're selling some that we've taken cuttings from the perfect specimen. We'll take that cutting, graft it onto a, a for us, we want rootstock that will tolerate heavy clay soils, caliche soils. We have a certain rootstock that we like. We'll graft onto that. And now we've got that exact plant will grow. And then it'll, and it's grown into a variety that will take on our clay soils, our mountain soils better. And so if you're just starting by seed, what will happen is locusts are famous for great big bean pods. Okay, that's not exactly favorable. So we've, we'll take a select variety that doesn't form beans. That's the kind you get. Or you'll have uh, locusts sometimes can have very long, I mean, like it wants to rip your face off kind of thorns. Locusts can have some thorns, certain varieties. And so that's not a desirable uh, quality. So we're looking for varieties that we've bred that thorn out of it. We found a variety that you won't have a gold. It's got the gold color, no thorns, no beans. So you got to do a little bit of homework on your end just or, or know who you're buying it from or look for the graphs. You'll see that the base, there's a graft at the bottom. You actually see where sometimes there'll be tape, a grafting tape on it if it's, if it's a younger model. And so just kind of be aware, but that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing a purple robe locust that has purple flowers, sometimes pinky purple flowers, and then a golden locust. And there's more varieties than just that. You'll see a shade master locust. We've got quite a few varieties here that uh, are all good for the mountains of Arizona. Drought hardy, takes our wind, just adapts and they live for for a long time. Great choices. Good time to be planting trees. Another one I'm seeing right now that is a shrub. My my autumn sage just started blooming this week. This is exciting stuff. So you've seen a shrub uh, about knee high, and it gets up. It has a well. It's it's drought hardy. Has a sagey scent to it. Again, anytime you hear the word salvia or sage in the name of a plant, you know it's a good plant because the deer and the javelina don't bother them. They don't eat them. They don't like that herbaly scent. But this little knee-high shrub, nice nice little ball, puts on red flowers. Not just red. It gets, they come in pinks and whites and purples, but mainly red's the most famous. Hummingbirds 
love them. And so you'll see this red flower, about an inch long, with a deep throat to it that the hummingbirds just love going in. I notice butterflies, swallowtails, seem to go after them as well. So it's a great plant, even for you folks and the deer and the javelina. The antelopes are so they're bad right now because they're desperate. They're dry. This, this drought has got them foraging for things they normally don't look for. They don't bother autumn sage or salvia gregii. It's a great plant for your... grows in a container, raised beds, right in the ground. I've got mine right in the ground, right at the road where that asphalt heat just comes up. And it loves that. I would say with that plant, the hotter the location, the better the better the flowers. A little secret that I use. Now, remember, my name is Ken. We're just friends. We're talking over this back fence, and this is what's working for me. It works pretty well. Here's a little insider tip. If you can give those blooming plants, especially your salvias and your Russian sage, what else? Roses, well, anything that blooms. But if you if you come in the nursery and get a, a bag of triple or, or no super phosphate is 0180 it's all phosphorus i went through like a month ago and i gave a handful to each of my autumn sages and now they are loaded with flowers you don't have to work it in you just got to get it on but that's that phosphorus that's what brings out that fragrance the brightness and the color just i get the biggest bag i can get in in the spring and i just every other month or so i just kind of go here have some more phosphorus super phosphate super phosphate super phosphate and it keeps them blooming non-stop your house will shine bright in your neighborhood just a little bit of super phosphate be right back You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Look, if your mom, wife, or mother-to-be enjoys dead cut flowers and the peace that comes when dining with all those kids, then by all means, take her to your favorite buffet rather than some piece of plastic. But if she really loves her garden, a gift card from Waters makes perfect sense. In reality, you're giving her 90 minutes of peace and quiet while she shops for her own flowers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, the place where people who love their gardening moms love to shop. Waters companion plants in May are Vining Akebia, Indian Hawthorn, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Purple Robe Locusts. Incredible long clusters of purple flowers in May that look just like wisteria flowers hanging from this local bloomer. The 8-inch fragrant flowers cover the tree profusely. Super hardy and drought tolerant with a brisk growth rate of 2 feet in 1 year. It's just the perfect backyard shade tree. You'll find the shadiest trees here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, we are back with Lisa Waters Lane. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are people talking about uh, out in the yard, so in your neighborhood? And so there's a lot to be learned by doing that. Hey, lady, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Good to be here. How's your uh, How's your gardens looking? Uh, they need some TLC. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm amazed with? What? Those uh, uh, in the raised beds out mm -hmm. in the front yard, you just said, we're going with perennials. We're going to go with hardy perennials. And I want, 
you put gopher plant and um, ascot rainbow euphorbia. Mm -hmm. Did I get that right? Rainbow ascot. But, rainbow yeah. ascot, yeah. Close ascot enough. rainbow, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, you put the euphorbia out there and the euphorbia has like doubled in size and the the doggone gopher plant still looking at it's us. Just there they haven't done us. anything. They like it really hot. Maybe we'll, we'll find out. We will. It's 80 degrees this week. So it got into the 80s, yeah. which is kind of finally, finally, I'm happy. Yeah. I was, uh, I don't like the 70s. I don't like the 60s for sure. I like the 90s. Oh, no, that's, that's too hot. <laughs> yeah. Above 75, I'm out. Yeah. Just uh -huh. wanna, yeah. Take me to the lake. <laughs> Where it's 110. Yeah. <laughs> So, garden questions. Yeah. What do we got this week? Anything interesting, fabulous, fun? Well, they're all interesting. I don't know about fabulous. Some, some are more interesting than others. <laughs> well, Beth would like to know. She would like to put her rose in her yard, but it's a really hot southwest quarter. Okay. She wants to know, will a rose do okay there? And if not, what would you recommend she put in there? Oh, there's a lot of choices you could put in. But if you want roses, roses like sun. They mm -hmm. like the heat. They're okay with that. And as roses get larger, they actually start to shade themselves and protect themselves and, and, and keep the sunburning effect happening from underneath around their roots. So they, they have this natural preservation thing they do. So roses do really well. And roses are amazingly deep rooted. So they're hard to get out of the ground actually. So I think they'd do fine. Other choices. Okay. What, what else could you do there? There's tons. Number one, Cellar, probably uh, a Russian sage, ah. spiky blue shrub about the same mm -hmm. size. Um, autumn sage or salvia gregii, mm -hmm. a little bit smaller, maybe three feet instead of four feet tall, but another great with red flowers. Mm -hmm. Hummingbirds love it. And there's there's a lot more. Crepe, out myrtle. there. Crepe myrtles. Yeah. Rosa Sharon's. They get a little bit bigger, but you can always keep them down some. So mm -hmm. lilacs are bloom, just there's mm -hmm. all kinds of things. So that's one come in. It'd be worth coming to the garden center and taking the tour, having us show you around. Mm -hmm. All the end caps at the garden center are just loaded up with, with different pretty things. And if you want things for the full sun, go out where the full sun is <laughs> in the garden center because we put them out there because those plants like that. The shade plants. They're under the shade fabric. They like the shade. So we kind of isolate things. And then we also, we, we um, all the roses are together. But then also all the, we've got what we call knee-high shrubs, mm -hmm. hip-high shrubs, head-high shrubs. People shot, we curated all the plants. So here's all the things that go for privacy screen, head-high or taller. Here they are. Here's all the hip-high. I just want something cute off the patio. Here's something knee-high. I want something crawling to hold down that, that hillside. So the, where it's a low growing, creeping things. Mm -hmm. And so look at the size that is appropriate for your design. Right. And I think you, something will call to you easily. I agree. So come on down. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, John would like to know, he put in a new lawn in April coming up, doing well. Question is how frequently should he be watering? And then the second part of the question is he used the all-purpose food when he planted. He wants to know when that should be reapplied. Good. So that, that's a great question. So he should have it already up. So it's been a, over two months almost. So it should be up. He should have mowed it a couple of times. It should be looking pretty lush, mm -hmm. which is great. That's a, There's nothing like a brand new seedling lawn coming <laughs> up. So yes, all that nutrients that you were doing, that's all gone now. 
And so what you'll find is your, your grass will start to stall out. Mm. And so what I would recommend really for, for, for this particular application, how do I explain this? This is brand new. Let's just go lawns in general. In general, lawns, you should put something on once a month from March through October. And what you do is you'll start with the all-purpose plant food. Hit 744. The bird guano in that is like magic for lawns. They love it. They green up, go like crazy. But then what happens is lawns are notorious for choking themselves out. Mm -hmm. So we have to aerate and you know dethatch. And there's all this work that you got to do. If the next one month, March, you put on all-purpose plant food, the next month you put on Humic, H-U-M-I-C, and then the next month, all-purpose food, humic, all-purpose food. You switch those back and forth from March through October. Mm-hmm. You'll never have to aerate. You'll never have to dethatch because the humic actually gets the, the, the lawn to root deeper. And it, it encourages the, the fungi that are eating all that thatch up. So it, gets, it get, eliminates the thatch by itself. It's feeding the soil. So the plants root deeper and gets rid of the thatch. So you don't have to thatch. So all-purpose plant food in March, then humec in May, all-purpose food, then June humec. And just do that back and forth. You will have a glorious lawn that is green 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd recommend. For this and what lawn. about watering? Oh, watering. Oh my gosh. Huh. Probably a couple times a week. It's a bit cool. I mean, once a well, it's a brand new lawn yeah. every other day, you know, it's like I'm talking to a brand new lawn that I know there's lots of other lawn folks right. listening in too. So, yeah. uh, and it depends on what kind of grass. So fescues, you can probably get away with once, twice a week, right. bluegrass, ryegrass, probably every other day. So, and as we warm up into nineties, yeah, we're a month away from that, but mm-hmm. maybe it's every day to every other day. Okay. The lawns will tell you lawns. If you're looking at them, they'll kind of tilt and kind of, that's true. Get this wilty. Pay attention to it. If you we'll walk on it, you. they lay down. So right. that's, yeah. Okay. Well, Margo would like to know how much sun tomatoes require and would it be okay if they were planted in a spot that got afternoon shade? Yes. So great, great question. So tomatoes need at least six hours of sun. They're like sugar making machines is what they are. The more sun they get, the more tomatoes they just, they Mm -hmm. go. I'd say baseline, go with six and you can get them all day. That's better. Sometimes that afternoon shade in the West is pretty favorable because they Mm -hmm. get kind of hot and they kind of take the pressure off. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sounds like a perfect spot for tomatoes. I think, yeah, you're good. Just make sure they got at least six hours or more. Otherwise you're shifting it up and going to you know, lettuce and some things take more shade. Yeah. Uh, just spinach and kales. They like the shade in mm-hmm. the summer. Uh, tomatoes and peppers and eggplants, they want sun, hot. Take a blow dryer to them when you're done. Can you cover watering a little bit? Because because they are out in that full hot sun, um, people think, oh my gosh, they just need water morning, noon, and night. Yeah. Uh, so kind of explain what's the best way to water those tomatoes. Yeah. So, so with edibles, so I would say this is, probably with berries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, all the way down to radishes, tomatoes, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. They like to be watered in the morning before the heat of the day, especially as they're forming fruits. So as they've got fruit on there, they're real sensitive. What If they get dry, they'll shed their fruit or the, the fruit will shrink and then mm-hmm. it gets damaged. You get real thick skins or they get uh, cracks. 
And so watering really early in the morning, we're talking four or five, six o'clock in the morning. Hydrate that so it's got time to actually pull up all that moisture so it goes into the heat of the day mm -hmm. fully plumped up. It makes the harvest, usually you're harvesting in the morning too, it makes those fruits sweeter, better flavor mm -hmm. on those tomatoes, peppers, whatever. It also make them juicier, uh, thicker. So your peppers have thicker skin to or thicker walls to them if you do that. I would say don't water in the evening, especially tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Tomatoes are just like this problem waiting to happen. <laughs> they want to get diseased. They want to get vertinillum wilt and leaf spot and curls. Yeah. And, if, and the way that happens is when it's real warm, it's a bit early for that, but in June, it's real warm and it stays warm in the evening. And if they're wet, it just, everything gets, all the fungal stuff takes over. Yeah. And tomatoes, I don't even let my tomatoes touch the ground. I don't want them to not just not be wet in the winter, in the, in the evening. I don't want them to ever touch the ground to be wet because the disease comes from the ground. Mm -hmm. So I'd say water in the morning, water deep. And then you're probably going to come into, as soon as we get to 90 degrees in a couple, two, three weeks, you're probably watering every day. Right. Your hanging baskets, your your tomato plants, that kind of stuff. So, well, we're out of time. Okay. There we go. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. We'll be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden companion plants in May are Vining Akebia, Purple Robe Locust, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Indian Hawthorn. Wind is no problem for this Indian Hawthorn. Rose-colored flowers cover this spring bloomer that often repeat blooms in fall. Dark blue berries adorn this compact bush that takes the wind and soaks up the sun like a native. Perfect for low-maintenance gardens with virtually no pruning, ever. Every backyard should have at least one, and only found here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Oh no! My pine trees look terrible! Never fear! Plant Protector is here! Plant Protector? From Waters Garden Center? My Super Strength Protector destroys pine scale, bark beetle, and aphids. Just water into the soil, and your trees are protected from the inside out for the year! Thank you, Plant Protector! You can always find Plant Protector at... Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. It is Mother's Day weekend. Uh, mom, love you. I know you listen to the podcast often. I'm so glad your mom, you made me a better man, better boy. You raised me up to with ethics and work, how to work strong, uh, just entrepreneurial. Thank you, mom. So anyway, I think you should call your mom, uh, your stepmom. We, we love our stepmoms as much as I love my mom. It's just like we have so, we have so many moms. Like our kids don't realize who their mom's true but what the bloodlines are. They just know, oh, that's just mom. The more grandmothers your kids have, the better off they are. They look after them. They nurture them. Our philosophy's always been in our family. Uh, you are allowed to speak into our kids about anything. 
we because we know that our family loves our kids and so if they're left right up down carry don't whatever that philosophy i'd rather have that coming speaking into them so they can talk about it from someone that i know loves them rather than trying to control just having the the universe come at them and they're going what is going on the noise uh, I think our families, a, we have a big family with lots of connections. I even lose track. And we love getting together. Loud and Lane both start with L. And we love getting loud together, just enjoying each other. Uh, we, we try not to talk religion or politics. Usually we're pretty good. Uh, but it can get kind of, kind of going sometimes. Uh, but uh, I'd rather have my kids hear that coming from people that they love. I know that they love them. No matter what their point of view is, it's good with me. So go for it. Anyway, moms, thank you for uh, making us a better family. The, the, the people that kind of nurtured and loved on us and, and uh, made us better. Don't forget to call your moms. Uh, gift cards have been coming in. This is the fun part for me, garden centers, uh, owners. In a, in, a, in a small town where we don't keep our kids, they all have to leave, or most of them, go out to find their way. Uh, in my day, we all left to go to California. That's where you, it's gold is in California. It seems like that shifted now. Kids go to Texas or Colorado. Some go the other way, but there kind of, there's more opportunities out there than they are here. So what's fun here is the parents still live here, but the, the kids are in... I mean, Dubai. I mean, they're from everywhere. It's crazy how where they're calling in from, where do you see, where you hear that from. It's kind of exciting, and you recognize many of the names coming in. But we've been in business for fifty nine years. They used to come in and and garden with their grandparents, then their parents. Now they're calling in for mom, a gift card basically. Sometimes we'll get a basket, stick a gift card in. Just it's kind of exciting. This week it started about Tuesday. And then we started getting about six to 10 calls a day for gift cards. It's just so fun to hear all those, those, those names that you recognize. And you're going, oh, what are you doing? So anyway, just kind of fun to, I don't know why I even went off on that. Just exciting. To, it's part of what I love about retail is uh, you get to, it's the stories of the people you get to hear. And then the connections back to the, like I closed on a property, um, this well, yesterday, and so and and I know the pe- the escrow uh, agent, yeah, by title, thank you. Uh, goes, hey, I'll hand deliver your papers to you. I just bought a house in Cordis Junction, and I just want to say hi. Just come look at plants. I went, I love small towns. This is the greatest thing ever. This is what we're all about. This is community. Uh, so anyway, it went off. How about some plant advice? We've gone in circles about no plant advice. What can I give you? Let's see. In my gardens, I am noticing that the roses are in bloom. They're they're blooming now, especially the shrub roses. So things are really waking up fast. Be careful and watch of one insect, thrip. When the roses bloom, when the purple robe locusts bloom, when you start to see all these flowers, it attracts a certain insect that wreaks havoc on the early spring foliage. It'll start making the foliage curl. Um, deform. Sometimes it can get black tips or edging to it. It looks like someone took a big lighter to the to the tender new foliage. And wind gets blamed for it, but it's not the wind. It's a bug. 
It's called THRIP, T-H-R-I-P, or sometimes called no seams. And the only way I really know, and I took out, went out to my roses, I took my cell phone, and I tapped with the screen off. I don't want the light on, just black. Tap on, on top of that glass, and if you see the dust crawling around, you've got thrip. That is a serious thing. Don't let that go. They attack a plant by the thousands, and they deform your plants. They'll make peonies stop blooming like that. They'll make, your, they'll make flowers. They'll get into the flowers and eat them from the inside out. So a simple spray. What, what, what I did is I made it... Oh, how do I explain this? I made a bug spray called multi-purpose insect spray. It's a concentrate. And so it's two tablespoons and a gallon of water. So a bottle makes like 16 gallons. I went through, I checked my plants and went, oh my gosh, the thrip are thick. Oh, I powered up a hose in sprayer. There's a type of sprayer. It's a good tool that automatically mixes at the right rate. So you can pour it in full strength, multi-purpose, full strength into the sprayer. I dialed it to two tablespoons and a gallon of water, and then I hosed down literally that plant and the whole that part of the yard. Works great on, on thrip. Mosquitoes, flies. I'm going to have Mother's Day weekend. Part of the motivation, I sprayed the plants for thrip, but then I went, I don't want any flies for the party the backyard Sunday, so here we go! All at once. Multi-purpose insect spray in a good hose-in sprayer is a game changer for easy, just easier gardening in your yard. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Waters Garden companion plants in May are Indian Hawthorn, Purple Robe Locust, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Vining Akebia. Akebia is a super vigorous vine with dangling fragrant flowers. She proliferates up arbors, pergolas, fences, and stunning as a ground cover to retain hills. One of the fastest growing evergreen vines you can plant in the gardens. You only find the hardiest vines at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week and just shares her her garden perspective, another angle to in the gardens. So we yep. have beautiful gardens ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, we tag team a lot of those. We this, do. This week it's been uh, adjust the irrigation and fix the pond so the birds have water. <sighs> that pond. So big, oh, my goodness. It's it is, beautiful. It's 15 years old. It just I takes know. a little maintenance. Well, that and the black lab gets in it yeah. all the time. <laughs> it's the dogs. They keep swimming in them. It was fine until we got the Labrador Retriever. And oh. then <laughs> he loves the water. I'm kind of hot. 
I'm going for a swim. He does. He <laughs> just wades right in. Hangs out in there for a few minutes. And <laughs> then comes and runs in the house and yeah, gets water. Yeah, right no doubt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that'll be nice to have that back up. And we got our fountain growing going in the front again. Yeah. So the, I was sitting out there the other day, and the hummingbirds were truly enjoying All over that. it. Yeah. yeah. So anything that's got a motor, a solenoid, a clock... You just have to maintain. It's mm-hmm. like like anything, like your computer. They just get old, and you got to maintain them. You got to declutter them. You got to upgrade. You got to security patches. You got to well, your your motors sometimes they burn out or they get clogged up, or you need to get the filters changed. Or mm-hmm. uh, you, so we we cleaned out the filters and the irrigation, cleaned out the filters on the skimmers and the the, the filter boxes, and got to clean the water. And while I was cleaning the hot tub, I figured why not take that and put it in the pond and then refill that. And so it's just kind of this domino effect of work in the backyard. But boy, it's beautiful when it's done. Oh my it gosh. Is, You're yeah. done for a while. Right, right. So. And everything looks so pretty right now. Most things yeah. have leafed out. They're starting to bloom. Wonderful time to be out in the yard. It is. So <laughs> what kind of garden tips do you have for us? Well, we've had quite a few customers come in who have uh, bought pretty things, wonderful things, put them in the yard, and the next day they come out and they're either half gone or totally gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> talk about the vermin. Yes. So there's a lot of critter activity right now between yeah. the javelina and the bunnies and the deer and even pack rats are yeah. out there. So, um, you know, and, and people get frustrated, and I totally understand that. But there's some things you can do to help mitigate that critter problem that you would have in your yard. Oh, yeah. So yes, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Very apropos. Yes. So first thing is, I mean, get rid of those things that are attracting the critters into your yard. So if you're putting out like quail blocks, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm going to tell you the javelina will hunt that down yeah. like no others. So bird seed. And yeah, I know we want to feed the birds and all that kind of stuff, but you know, you got to pick what you want there because you will attract uh, a lot of rats. You'll attract the javelina. And that's just what they love. Squirrels, chipmunks. You can keep on down. Porcupine. Possums. Possums. There are we no possums, possums here. Possums no no possums. Groundhogs up north. <laughs> <laughs> Go first. Those yeah. we have. And second thing, plant the things that you know they're not going to like. Yeah. So if you put a whole pallet of things out there that they're just going to think is, you know, a salad bar, of course they're going to come in and eat. So go for those plants that you know are pretty foolproof with those guys. And the other thing I would say, especially if you're planting a brand new plant, and, and I really recommend this with javelina, is use a repellent right away. Sometimes I think that the smell of the fresh dug earth and... You know, javelinas love that because I think they love the grubs and the insects that live in the soil. So if they smell that fresh, fresh dirt, they're like, ooh, maybe I there's think plants, there. Animals, they notice when something's new in their environment. They're living in the backyard underneath the oak trees in the back. Right. And then they're coming out every night, checking out, going, oh, let's see what's new. What, what do they do today? Yeah. And so the deer will notice when a new tree's in. The javelina will notice when a new flower's in. The bunnies will notice. They notice, and they take interest. Right. It's not like they're going, do 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 wonder what's new. No, they, they actually go, well, that's new. Right. Let's go see what it is mm-hmm. and experiment with this. So if you put a repellent on it, it just naturally goes, ooh, yuck. Right. This is every time they plant out here, it's always nasty. Why are they <laughs> doing this? Because most of them are very habitual. So if they you know, go up to it a few times and it smells nasty and bad, yeah. they'll just learn, hey, I don't like that. I'll leave it alone. I'll go see what 
the neighbors down the road have going on that's probably better. So definitely using those repellents. But the main thing I think is planting from the palate of things we know they don't like. And when it comes to perennials, um, a lot of the... My favorite go-to with a perennial is got to be the Salvia Gregii or the Autumn Sage. And that is such a, um, I love that plant because it is so resistant. It blooms all season long. It can take full hot sun, but it can also go into a shadier part in the yard and be just as happy. And they've come up with so many new colors now. It used to be red. You got red. All you had was red. And now it's red. It's purple. It's raspberry. It's apricot. It's red and white. The hot lips is red and white. They've come out with a ignition white one that is absolutely gorgeous. It really shows up with those white blossoms in the yard. I, I haven't seen that one. I'll take a look. <laughs> is really that in pretty. stock right now? Mm-hmm. They've got, oh, you must have just got some new yeah, variety in. It is. New. It's exciting. <laughs> so that's definitely one of my go-tos. The other one that I really love is cat mint. And everybody goes, well, is it going to attract the cats? <laughs> they go, no, it's not cat nip, it's cat mint. And it's a real pretty little mounding shrub, good for those low, where you want a low spot, maybe in the front of a bed or along a driveway. Little purplish blue flowers on it, but that thing is so resistant. And when it's established, it's crazy drought hardy. Yeah. Comes back wonderfully every, every year. My favorites are lavender and rosemary. I agree. I just like, we've got a lot yeah. of those. We mm-hmm. do a lot. I mean, I love this brush up against them, the smell. Oh, yeah. They bloom early, they bloom late. Animals don't like them. They take full sun. You can abuse them, and they don't die. That's true. So anything That's herbally, mm-hmm. animals aren't. They animals don't like herbs. They don't like the smell of herbs like right. people do. But yeah. that, that's just something to think about. We have. Have you seen the uh, what's it called? Platinum blonde yeah. lavender. We have yeah. up there. It's a variegated lavender. Yeah. We very, have very one of those pretty. planted in the herb garden. We do. Yeah, down the side side path, and I've hardly watered it, and it's yeah. still it's looking great. It's not quite in bloom yet, so okay. it's about the same stage as those that we just got in. Uh-huh. But we've had been out there. I think I planted that last fall. And it's coming back looking great. Yeah. So that's definitely lavenders and rosemaries. Definitely anything kind of really in that herb family. Uh, Coneflower or echinacea is another great one. And so um, those things that have those sticky leaves to them or feel kind of rough or sandpapery or hairy. I mean, none of the critters really want to eat those because it just kind of gets stuck in their throat and, you know, they have to hack it up. So. <laughs> plants are brilliant. They're, they're oh, coming yeah. up with defenses mm-hmm. to keep the animals off. And these are the ones that have figured it out and you can plant in your yard and they're not going to bother. But echinacea, right. gallardias, coneflowers, those are all great yeah. choices. Do very, very nicely. Spireas. Yeah. Uh, which when you look at a spirea, I sit there and go, oh, there's no way that's animal resistant. But they don't bother that thing at all. Yeah. It's a really pretty summer blooming shrub for out in the yard. Um, of course, potentias is another yeah. one that's real pretty summer blooming. Now, my question for you, because I didn't know the answer to this. Here we go. Here's the test. Because <laughs> I, I, I think I know, but I'm not sure. I'll see what your opinion is. Um, hydrangeas. Yeah. Nice, beautiful shade plant for here. We've gotten some beautiful ones in. Are they animal resistant? Well, I can, I've can. i got proof. So we're at the office. So mm-hmm. this is a studio here at the garden center. We've got test gardens out there. And on either side of the front patio are two hydrangeas on both sides. Mm-hmm. And javelina and deer and rabbits roam free in the front where those things are. 
and they consistently bloom every single year. They're coming back right now, so they're just starting. They're maybe six, four inches mm-hmm. high. They're coming back again, and so I've got proof. Javelina, don't bother hydrangeas. I got proof. Deer, don't bother hydrangeas <laughs> because they're right out there where yeah. they can get to them, and right. we're right up against the forest. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I would say yeah, they're good okay. to go. I thought so, but I just wasn't one hundred percent sure. If in doubt. Yeah. Plant one test victim. Don't commit all the way. Just put one. See how they do it. You'll know night one if they're oh, going to yeah. eat it because they're all interested. They're looking mm-hmm. at it going, oh, well, that's something new. What's, What's that? going on? And so you'll know before you – so don't buy six of them. Just, just buy one. <laughs> right. See how it does. And then if it survives like the first few nights, come back and get the other five. And, and away you go. Yeah. All right, Lisa. Great advice. Uh, lots of animal – Proof, I would say, plants. You can plant both both shrubs and perennial flowers you can have out in the yard here at Waters Garden Center. Thank you, Lisa. We'll be right back with more after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion plants in May are Purple Robe Locust, Vine and Achevia, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Easy Elegant Roses. Just plant these roses in a sunny spot and enjoy. We've married the beauty of long stem roses with the easy care of shrub roses for landscape color like no other plant in the backyard. Choose fragrant reds, radiant pinks, corals, vivacious yellows, and stately whites. Extremely fragrant and only found locally at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So here's what you'll find at garden centers. This this is all the shipping, covid Pickups, places, if that's a real thing. Just getting shipping costs, just getting getting trucks to roll. I ordered a forklift and, and a pallet, a motorized pallet jack for the garden center, kind of taking the pressure off the crew. And uh, man, I ordered this thing a month ago. It's still, it's been on the road for 10 days. You've got to be kidding me. We need that tool here at the garden center. I mean, it'll be, spring will be gone by the time we finally gets here. Well, this goes throughout a lot of things, and and including plastics. And so you're finding that greenhouses couldn't get enough plastic. A lot of that's come from wherever. Six packs. You couldn't find six packs to to put seed in, to start. This this is where uh, one uh, package of plants will have six like petunias in it, or six peppers, six tomatoes, whatever. Huge shortage. Just there's this gap where there just weren't any. People were scrambling to go all over the place. Uh, gallon buckets. You couldn't find the one gallon basic pl- plastic stuff. And so what you'll find at the garden center is you'll see this eclectic mix. Where we're scrambling with all, well, anything that'll hold soil. We'll take it. We'll just put, we'll, we'll take it. We'll just start having plants in that. And so what you'll find is you've, you can find the plants. Like we've got jalapeno peppers mainly in one gallons because we could find those very few to four inch things and no six packs. I mean, that's a number one selling pepper, jalapenos. I mean, bell peppers, same. I could, it was a little, little easier with bell peppers. 
but just you'll see this, you'll find the variety, but you're not going to have the selection of sizes at garden centers like you've had in the past. That is totally supply chain driven. It's not that we didn't want them. We just couldn't get the, the, the container uh, to, to, to make this whole thing go. Seed is easier. So we've had easier access on seed. So last year you couldn't get the seed. We could get all the parts, but if you can't put the seed in it, it just everything was this, this food insecurity thing. This year you can get the seed, you can get the cuttings, you can get the, the, the whatever. You can't get the, the plant, the, the products to plant them in. So it's just a crazy thing. So we're doing pretty well. But if you come in, I notice people are, are kind of frustrated. They haven't been out for a year. They come in and you're going, okay, I want my six packs of early girl tomatoes. I'm going, oh, I don't have any, nor am I going to have any of that. I've got the four inch right there and I've got a gallon size. I even have huge cachets, these big uh, pots. They're an instantaneous plant. It's already got tomatoes all over. It's made to put on a patio and just grow in that container. Don't, don't have to transplant. I've got those but I don't have the six packs. I don't have as many as I would like. So you just see this different hiccup. That goes for flowers. An interesting phenomena happening. Perennials, perennial flowers. I'm selling more perennial flowers and annual flowers. Now remember, perennials are those things that come back every year. So you plant it once and you're done. It just keeps coming back and spreads. Wildflowers are perennials. Annuals, that's what you put in hanging baskets and and over railings and walls, just big, colorful, just they're they're just glowing in the dark. They're so colorful. There's so many flowers you can't see the foliage. Perennials try to do that, they just aren't quite as pretty. But they come back every year. Annuals, they are just so pretty, and then they flame out and they don't come back next year. So the perennials, I've never seen this before ever. We've always sold way more, twice as many annuals as, as perennials. That could be because it was cool for so long, I don't know, but just an interesting different change uh, from season to season. This is farming, so it's kind of like, oh, I don't know, what were people looking for? We thought we had this nailed down. You got computers and forecasts and models to help you, and then you kind of go, nope, that didn't work. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so it's that's what I, again, another thing I love about Dealing with people, consumers, gardening, their yards. I mean, just you're trying to get them to, to have more butterflies and hummingbirds, more beauty. And then uh, you think you're helping them, and then they just go, oh, some HGTV or Martha Stewart said, do this. And all of a sudden, that's the hot ticket. I'm going, oh, didn't see that one. Dang it. That's all right. When you're planting, the Mother's Day weekend is kind of the official start. So we track 100 years of data. And the average date for Prescott, Arizona is May 8th. Maybe it's May 10th. I think Prescott Valley is May 8th or 7th. Anyway, we're all within just a day or two of each other, this, this elevation. Uh, Camp Verde, Cottonwood, you know, Sedona, probably you're, you're towards May 1. I don't know what your official 100-year average of last frost is, but we're basically all of us that are tuned into this show first week in May. It, last frost. Now you can start planting eggplants. You can start planting cucumbers and peppers and tomatoes and, and zinnias and geraniums and petunias. You can start planting. You don't have to worry about frost, cold coming and killing that plant. Most of these annual plants, most of the planting seasons done with annuals, they, they're tropical. They don't like the cold. They like, from this point, getting warmer. They like it in the 80s, 90 degrees. They like that. And so they don't want that cold. So now you can start planting confidently. 
as you're doing that, some advice I can give you is don't just take that old soil that you had and throw them in the ground, throw a new seed or a new plant in that old soil. Those old roots from last year, as those decompose, they actually do some, they taint the soil. They actually poison, not poison, poison for you and I, but they, they keep other plants from wanting to grow in that same medium. So really, you do want to actually rototill, be aggressive with adding some organics, manures into that in the yard gardens kind of for, for containers, you want to take scoop out some of that top material where all the roots were going and add some freshness, add some fresh potting soil into that container, into that raised bed. You want to add some nutrients, some new soils to that so it revitalizes it. What will happen if you don't do that, especially if you're new to gardening last year, you went, oh, this worked pretty good. And then you're going this year with the same soil. Yeah, use some of it, but you need to add some freshness to it because plants are using up the soil. They'll actually take the nutrients out of it, the vitality out of that, that soil, and the next year it won't perform as well. The third year, it's not going to perform at all. And so I always try to add, I'm trying to be very, in my container gardens or my raised beds, I'm trying to dig out that, that hole where I want that new tomato, that new eggplant, the new pepper. I like growing giant pumpkins, okay? That's my thing, giant pumpkins. I'm trying to dig a bigger hole so I can add some fresh potting soil. So I, I like our water's potting soil. The reason I like it, I'm very biased. I help develop it. There's a recipe. Uh, potting soils are, are like a cookie recipe. So much peat moss to so much compost to so much you know, perlite and so much. And so you, there's this ratio. And we've been tweaking this recipe for many, many years. And that's what our, our plants are grown in. And so if I can dig out a, a big section in that container or in that raised bed and put some fresh, all, all new potting soil and put that plant that, that's, that was grown in that soil, I'm putting it in my garden with a little bit more of that soil, all of a sudden my uptake, the, the take, the rooting of that plant just goes like full steam ahead. It's going, oh, I was so confined to this one gallon pot. Now I can just grow and it starts taking off. When, it, when a plant is put into different kinds of soils, that's when it struggles. Plants don't like to see differences, and so they like consistency. And so that's why sometimes you're a new rose. If you just take that home and it's this beautiful, we've got a thousand roses sitting here, all in bloom. You take one of those home and you just chuck it in your crummy ground, it's going to go into transplant shock, a lot of shock. So if you can amend that soil around that, adding some mulch and some nutrients and screedy that out so you get rid of the rocks, it makes a big difference in your success rate. So it's just called gardening. But if you're new to gardening, you really want to be aware of that so your success rate goes up. I don't want my new listeners, new gardeners, to struggle simply because of something that's just as simple as soil, adding some soil. Nutrients, there's no, nutri no nutritional value in your ground. It's just it's crummy junky soil. You'll figure that out when you start digging a hole. So you need to add some, some organic matter. You need to add not, not manure for a new tree or shrub or vine. You want to add some compost. You want to add some food. So usually a, some sort of organic plant food. Then you're watering it in with a root and grow. It's a compost tea. Helps it with transplant shock. So you always need three things when you plant. Mulch, food, root and grow. Got a handout on that. It's free. If you come in and take a look and tell us you were tuned into the show, that'd be great. Be right back.
You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. Look, if your mom, wife, or mother-to-be enjoys dead cut flowers and the peace that comes when dining with all those kids, then by all means, take her to your favorite buffet rather than some piece of plastic. But if she really loves her garden, a gift card from Waters makes perfect sense. In reality, you're giving her 90 minutes of peace and quiet while she shops for her own flowers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, the place where people who love their gardening moms love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Let's just touch quickly. I've got a whole hour class on just how to water things, but let me just remind you how to program that clock. And if this doesn't make sense, come in and talk to us. We've got a, a handout on just how to water, uh, exactly how to water trees, shrubs, and vines. Let's cover that one because those are the easiest ones. Your flowers, containers, things are really small. Root balls, those are harder. you got to almost monitor those daily to see when they need more water, especially that little bowl that's out there on that front patio that maybe is exposed to sun that dries out faster. But things that are in the ground are, well, they've got more capacity. The surrounding soil holds uh, their, their water and food. It just has more capacity. If there's not a rock shelf, if there's not a, you know, things in the soil that you can't see, but if it's just soil and dirt out there, I think that a deep soak of your established trees and shrubs is good about once, once a week is pretty good. Uh, and then, then the question is, Okay, now I know the frequency. How often should I water established trees, shrubs, roses, vines? Once a week. That's good. A brand new thing you just put in the ground twice a week. Don't overdo it. Some of you are killing the plants by daily watering. Don't. They're big, deep-rooted things. That soil does not dry out that fast. And so it doesn't want to drown. You can literally drown plants if you're watering every day, especially bigger plants like trees and shrubs. It's some beautiful, just beautiful aspens come in. And you'd think they like a lot of water. They're growing next to the you know, Aspen Creek. It's right here in Prescott. It's growing right, to the aspens are right along the creek side, but they're along the creek side, not in the creek. And so the roots go down towards there, but really all the roots are up here out of the water. So if you're going to kill an aspen, almost assuredly it's from overwatering, not from underwatering. And so about once a week is about right. Then you come down to frequency. How much should I give them? And so it, it, with drip systems, you really need to leave that drip on for a long time. We're talking hours. This is kind of plays with your head some. Wait a minute. I'm going to water. I mean, water's expensive. I, I got to water for hours. That's correct. 
because the emitter, we're talking micro irrigation, super, super efficiency. So it doesn't, you may turn your water on, but it doesn't allow the water out. It controls it, throttles it back. So it's only allowed to come out at a certain rate, very slow. Typically about one gallon of water will come out of that emitter per hour. So you leave it on for an hour, only one gallon came out. A big tree, let's say a big, uh, a big aspen I was talking about. That big aspen, let's say a big 20-gallon aspen, it's got three or four stalks coming out of it. It is majestic, beautiful, instantaneous tree, 20-gallon, 20 25-gallon pot. It probably needs 20 to 25 gallons of water per week. So that one tree probably needs two to three emitters on it, maybe even larger than one gallon per hour. And you need to leave it on for two, three hours to have enough water go through that root ball and a little bit farther so you're encouraging those roots to go deep instead of shallow. The folks that are watering every day or every other day for like 15 minutes with a drip system, you might as well not even bother. You're damaging the plants because you're pushing that water down into the soil about I don't know, two, three inches. So the roots will die. The deeper roots will dry out and die. And so all this tree will be dependent on this daily watering of 15 minutes out of a, that's a what is that, about a quart a day? A quart of water for a big tree that needs 20 gallons of water a, 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 a week? You're hardly, you're just barely keeping it alive. You better pray the monsoons come. So water deep, and not that often is secret to deep, healthy, strong, deep-rooted plants. Again, i got a handout on that. Come in and, and ask for it. If you free. want a more fruitful garden, talk increase again, success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune Say in hi. every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in. I was raised in a nice house with my family. Now I'm out on my own and have my own apartment. I love my cute little place, but there's something I do miss. I miss my mom's garden in the backyard. It was so special because over the years I was growing up, I watched her give those flowers and plants such a personal, loving touch and so much color. I miss it so. Well... Guess what? I just visited my local garden center and they gave me some great ideas. And now, because of them, when I look out my patio window, I see the beautiful planter they suggested, teeming with flowers, bright Arizona flowers. Looking at those flowers gives me such a nice feeling, and it's almost like being with mom in the backyard all over again. Want help with planting? It's all online at plant-something.org. Brought to you by the Arizona Nursery Association at plant-something.org. You'll love it too. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.